Well, I think, first of all, the, the conversation has to start initially between the, the mates who are going to give the money. And they've got to decide what the parameters are. And then um, I think that if there are certain conditions, then blood talks to blood. What to do when family members ask for money? You don't want it to put a strain on your marriage, which is why Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss it next. Stay tuned. So I was visiting a friend not too long ago, and he told me a story that I wanted to share with you. They had some friends over for dinner, and they told him to go grab a wine bottle from the rack so that they could have it with dinner. And the guests went over and grabbed the bottle from the Hitched Wine Club. And immediately the couple replied, no, 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 not that one. That's our special wine. And so I want you and your spouse to have your own special wine too. And that's why I keep mentioning the Hitched Wine Club each week. Our wines are 100% guaranteed. The shipping is free. There are no membership fees. You can cancel at any time. So if you're already buying wine, let us send you your own special wine that you and your spouse can tell your guests to don't touch. (laughs) Uh, We are running a fantastic deal right now. So visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again uh, by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. So Karen, uh, if you are tuning in for the first time, is a relationship Jedi. Uh, She is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. Uh, You can find tons of information at her website, drkarensherman.com, and I will share even more of it at the end of this episode. But I want to jump into this one. Uh, When I sent this topic to you, Karen, you were a little concerned because it is a tough topic and uh not to not to uh you know postpone it too much but we're going to talk about when you when family members whether it's in-laws or cousins or brothers or siblings or sisters when they ask for money and Mm -hmm. how you handle that as a couple this is a tough one yeah Uh, (laughs) and this you know i was saying off air that this is one of those topics where I think there's no simple Google search that's going to give you the answer, and partly because it's so subjective, it's so situational, and we'll we'll dig into those details. Um, so first, uh, I want—I guess my first question—I want to establish the the level of responsibility that you think a couple has to their outside family me- family members, and and specifically when they when they come to you asking for some financial help. Well, you know, to me, responsibility is almost like um, an objective thing. And truthfully, I don't think that anybody has a responsibility. I think it becomes, you know, as you said, I I think you hit the two key words. It's subjective and it's situational. Do you have a responsibility? No, nobody has a responsibility. And a lot of it is going to depend on very personal factors and very situational factors. Okay. Uh, So can you, can you describe like maybe one or two situations uh, that would help determine 
not okay. responsibility, but somebody's participation yes. <laughs> in this okay. type of thing? Okay. So, you know, one of the, one of the factors is what is your personal uh, financial situation? You know, do you have a lot of money or, you know, are you in the kind of financial situation where you can afford to help parents? I, I, I think parents are slightly different um, because I think there comes a point at life where um, the children do sort of take on the role of the parent and the parent takes on the role of needing care. Hopefully parents have set themselves up so that they're not in too much of need of money, but I think that that's a special kind of situation. So let's talk more about siblings, cousins, you know, things like that, because I think that the question has more to do with that kind of... Um, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, you, you say that, but I also think because right now we have uh, the boomer generation that is entering retirement right now. And for right. the next, you know, two, three, four decades, um, we are going to have the younger generation uh, probably in a gr great number helping to support them in some manner for uh, – because as you explained, um, it's not the common or norm scenario where most people are set up uh, for retirement. Um, but we also know now that uh, living wages are lower than they have been in decades and this and that. So we have a younger generation that is more cash-strapped just as parents are entering the age where they might need some financial support. Um, so I don't – I guess for simplicity's sake, we can focus on uh, siblings or something like that. But I, I don't want to exclude those other needs because I do think it's going to be a huge issue for a lot of people. I don't know if I agree with you, Steve, because, you know, you're talking about the boomers, and I think that the boomers are very much the sandwich generation, meaning that they are taking care of their parents still, uh, because due to all of the medical advances um, and the longevity that we have today, a lot of the boomer parents are still living, and they are taking care of their adult children because due to the way the economy is today, a lot of the adult children still need help. So the boomers are the ones who are not retiring when they should be, um, have set themselves up financially, and really are in a pickle because they're really getting strapped on both ends of it. See, I actually, I'm actually in agreement with you on that. Um, yeah. But I'm, I guess I'm taking it from a slightly different angle, which is, so boomers, you're right, um, are supporting the younger generation now, um, but they are, as you m mentioned, still working. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the generation before them wouldn't still be working. And I think part of that is because they are supporting the younger generation, which tells me that they don't have the the re financial retirement security to sustain themselves, as well as we had the economic collapse, which basically obliterated everybody's 401k retirement pensions. And then you have um, laws being enacted across many states throughout this country now that are just allowing governments to tap into retirement pensions mm -hmm. and get away with retirement pensions so that they can fund other things uh, that the government has a shortfall on, on money and stuff. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to play the, this 
semantics game. So let's let's just stick with what's okay. easy in but, terms but, of. Okay, but, let me let me go back to your original question about yeah, responsibility. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Please. So I I think that when when it comes to parents, I think I'm going to say I do think that there is some responsibility that you your parents have raised you they've provided for you in some cases hopefully they've also been loving and nurturing to you but even in cases where they haven't been the best parents they most of them have at least provided for you and so when i hear the term responsibility i feel that that comes with a sense of obligation and i do think that when it comes to parents there is some responsibility but when it comes to other people i don't think that it comes necessarily with a sense that you must provide money for siblings cousins you know extended family okay. i think that then depends on the situation and on um you know what the what the emotional feelings uh, what emotional feelings exist for you. So some of the situations would be, what are your, you know, personal finances like? Mm -hmm. um, what are, what are the reasons that the money is being asked for? Um, you know, then we get into the emotions. How do you feel about the person? You know, how close are you to the person? And so it becomes, there's just so many variables. You know, what is, what is your upbringing? Um, there might be somebody who feels that they don't have a lot of money, but if they are of the thinking that it's family and we, we were raised that you help family, then, then you do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of different variables, again, based on who you are as a person and what your thinking is. Okay. And I, and I know there's not a right answer for these questions, and I understand that there are a a million different situations and things, but to, to help narrow this conversation a little bit, mm -hmm. let's say you can afford to help out a family member uh, and they are in a tough situation, um, whether it's a, a, a medical bills or something, let's, let's say mm -hmm. it's something somewhat serious like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I want to throw one twist on this because that seems like a no-brainer. If you can financially help them out and they have they're struggling because of some sort of like catastrophic medical situation, it seems like that would be a, a, a relatively human thing to do. But let's complicate it just a little bit by saying um, you and your spouse have planned on on going on a vacation and you haven't been in five years, mm -hmm. and that's going to drain that that amount of money that you saved for that. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that kind of a situation? Tough one. Tough one. You know, um, again, how close are you to these people? How are you going to feel if you don't give it to them? How are you going to feel if you don't go on this vacation? Maybe you can do a different kind of vacation, so at least you're getting away. If you haven't been away for five years, you know, you need a vacation. So maybe you can do a different kind of a vacation. Um, is there a way that um, these people can get help from other sources. Maybe you can help these people um, in a different kind of way where you can help them get money from different sources, um, you know, where you can, you're contributing also, but you're not footing the entire bill. Um, I, you know, you, you actually brought up um, something right there that I, I think is important to discuss a little bit, which is uh, how is it going to affect you? Because 
we talk about this a lot about how you would never treat your spouse or you would never treat your boss this way, but you treat your spouse this way because you take them for granted. Mm-hmm. And this does seem to me like it would be one of those situations that would be easy to take the stability of your own relationship for granted mm-hmm. for the needs of other people. Right. And if you haven't been on a vacation for five years, I would think that there would need to be some sort of self-assessment uh, of the relationship. Like, do do we need this for our marriage? Do we need this to stay close because we have really been um, struggling as of late, not financially, but just as a couple. And this is this is something we really need. And so then I think, uh, to, to, I guess to answer my own question, you could start thinking of some compromises of, right. well, maybe we can donate this amount of money, but not the full amount. Or maybe we can cut down on the vacation, but we have to go exactly. somewhere and do something, as you were alluding to. Yes. Right. Okay. So, you know, and as I said you know, maybe the way that you help, there, there are various ways to help other than pure out, here's the cash, so to speak, you know, where you can be providing time or services or, you know, finding other avenues to help them get some more money. So, you know, that's another way that you can assist as well. Um, but again, you at the end of the day, you've got to be able to live with yourself. And, you know, if it, really is something that you say, look, you know, I, I've got to be able to do this or, or I just can't, you know, live with myself or, or, you know, go to sleep at night, um, soundly, then, then you do, then you, you extend the money. Okay. I mean, that seems, re- and you know, we, we kind of approach this topic as we're going to have a conversation about it as opposed to have the answer that you're looking for. Um, so I'm going to raise another situation here, a little scenario um, that I think can be perhaps a little bit easier. Things can get tricky, I think, if you've helped a family member in the past mm-hmm. and you know they're terrible with money. Mm-hmm. You have loaned them money in the past and they have not repaid it, but it's your spouse's family um, and your spouse is kind of adamant about continuing to help this family member but you know you're just giving money away. Um, What kind of a conversation do you need to have with your spouse or how would you approach this topic if if you see that, let's say, uh, a brother-in-law or somebody or a sister-in-law is asking for money on a relatively frequent basis and you see them doing nothing but wasting that money and they're not doing anything productive with it? Okay, if they're wasting the money, where, you know, um, let's say they need the money to start a business, but they don't really do anything productive with it. And then they're, they've got another brain, you know, brainstorm idea and they borrow money. And again, they, you know, waste it. Then I think that you've got to say to your spouse, look, you know, I'm all for helping your brother. I think I, I love him. I think he's a great guy. But, you know, I think we're enabling him at this point. He's not really doing anything with the money. On the other hand, um, if you give the money and the person really is using it for a good cause, let's say, you know, for medical bills, and they're just so strapped, you know, they, they're not making enough money, whatever. I think that you have to be willing to say, look, we are, and again, Steve, it depends on what your own financial situation yeah. is. You know, we are fortunate enough to be able to help out. And when we're going to accept the fact that we're not expecting this back. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be able to know up front that you might not see that money back. Okay. 
um, and and have that discussion. And I think that that's got to be part of the discussion that you have with each other. You know, what if we don't get this money back? Are we okay with letting it go? Are we, you know, can we do without this money? Can we continue the relationship and not be with this person and not be resentful? Yeah. Um, I, let, I, let, I mean, I think that's part that's that's an interesting aspect of this conversation too. Uh, is not being resentful mm-hmm. uh, because money can make relationships really tricky. Oh uh, yes, where people uh, either consciously or subconsciously then it it hangs over the relationship. I guess mm-hmm. where some people feel guilty about it or some people feel superior about it or whatever the case may be. Um, how, like how can you inject money into a relationship like that and avoid those types of pitfalls? Well, I think first of all, the, the conversation has to start initially between the, the mates who are going to give the money and they've got to decide what the parameters are. And then um, I think that if there are certain conditions, then blood talks to blood. And, you know, we're, we're happy to help you out, but, you know, do you feel you're going to be able to uh, pay us back? You know, what are the terms? You know, when do you think you'd be able to pay us back? You know, whether you're expecting interest with it or not, you know, there has to be a discussion then with the person who's borrowing the money about what they expect as far as repayment, if they ever think they'll be able to repay it, how long it'll take until they repay it. And I think that, you know, there's an old saying that you don't mix business with with family. You don't do business with family. One of the things that can be discussed is, you know, let's talk about this because we love you so much that we don't want this to come in between our relationship. And, you know, are you comfortable with being able to to do, you know, to, to pay us back? And, and here's why we need it paid back. We have something coming up or, you know, we have our kids' college educations coming up so we can certainly take it out for now and give it to you. But at some point we need it back. You know, that's why I'm saying it's such a difficult topic because there's so many different, you know, possibilities of what the money's earmarked for, if it's really just, you know, in the bank and not doing much of anything. Um, so you've got to look at all the different possibilities and then again, have a conversation and anticipate what the possible consequences are and then present that to the person that you're lending it to um, and try to be as compassionate and understanding as possible. Um, and if then if you lend the money, know that you may not get it back and be yeah. okay with that. I think I think that I mean I know there's a million possibilities that we we've kind of laid that out but I also think like the 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 tips that you're giving here are very helpful because it kind of runs through the various scenarios and just allows people to consider what those various scenarios might be and how they can handle those and in a, in the situation where you were talking about how you know maybe you won't get that money back I kind of think of it as going to Vegas mm. where you sit down at the blackjack table, it would be really nice to win a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I, at least for me, I never go and sit down if I'm not willing to just throw that money down the drain. Yes. If, yes. I, can't, if I can't take money and put it on the table and just leave it there and walk away without even playing the hand, I, I, don't, I, I just can't 
myself play that hand in general. Right. Um, and so I kind of feel like that might be one of the ways that you can do this uh, with a family member is if you can't just hand that money over and walk away from it without having needing that back. And you're, if you're in that situation, it might be really tough to pull off because yes. then, because that, because then you have that financial stress that then starts weighing in on your relationship as well. Right. Like when is your brother or sister-in-law going to pay that back and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and I think that if there is the expectation that it's going to be paid back, that should be talked about beforehand, not after the fact, well, you know, I thought you were going to pay it back six months ago and, you know, why haven't you paid it back? I think that that should all be discussed beforehand. So putting together some sort of plan then, like some sort of like pay it back by this time or date or how do you expect to pay it back? Like yes. where is that, where are you going to get that money back from kind of a thing? Right. Where, you know, do you think you're going to be able to pay it back? You know, let's be reasonable. You know, let's let's talk about this. We're not trying to put pressure on you, but let's set our expectations properly. Do you expect that you'd be able to pay it back? You know, when do you think you'd be able to pay it back? You know, and it doesn't have to be the letter of the law. This is not the bank coming after somebody. This is not the government coming after you. But, you know, when when do you think would be reasonable that we could expect to see this back? And, and you know, how much of a payment do you think you'd be able to make, you know, so, so that we have, a, we all have a general idea and then nobody's sitting, you know, on pins and needles waiting and looking at clocks and say, oh, look at this, you know, we haven't gotten it back. We would have expected yeah. because our expectations have so much to do with, you know, our disappointments. And, and then that's what starts the, the anxiety and the resentment and everything. Mm -hmm. And I think too, as a, let's say the, the borrower of the money, I think it's also part of their responsibility. If they see a deadline that was agreed upon in the beginning, it's looming and it doesn't look like you're going to be able to fulfill that, in, um, that agreed upon time frame, that you come to them ahead of time and say, look, it's, you know, things have been a little bit tougher than we were expecting or I was expecting, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm still, my intentions are still this, but it might take a little bit longer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And even though that person who borrowed that money might be a little embarrassed, it is still better off being upfront than hiding from it, which is just going to make everybody upset. Yeah. It's going to make them uncomfortable and the people who lent the money, you know, be upset and feel like, you know, what up, you know, what up with this? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the uh, things that I wanted to ask you about on this one, uh, because we are talking specifically family members and, you know, friends is a different thing. Mm -hmm. um, is this a situation, and we beat the drum on this, of blood talks to blood on tough topics. Is this a situation where if it's if it's my brother or my sister who is asking for the money that I should talk to them myself, or should we come at, come uh, approach the conversation as a couple with the person or the borrowers? I think most of the time it's blood talks to blood. Okay. That's my general rule of thumb. And the other day on my radio show, I was interviewing somebody on a different topic and, and she basically had the same rule as well. You know, I was interviewing her as the expert. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and she had the same rule as well. Perfect. You know, that's not to say there aren't exceptions. I mean, if you've got somebody who um, the in-law is an accountant, then, you know, that might be the person who does the talking yeah. because they're more of the expert when it comes to money. Yeah. Um, but generally, I think that it's just always more comfortable to talk to your own, you know, your own sibling. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so then 
we've kind of hit a lot of stuff here um and it's it's been a little it's been a little mucky but i think we're we're working our way through it uh, now does the equation change uh for you if the person asking for money has helped you in the past oh i think absolutely i think absolutely whether it's been the person who's asking for the money has helped you or even if you yourself have been helped by someone in the past, I think that your mindset is a little different because you've been in the position and I would hope that you would realize that the shoe's been on the other foot and sometimes, you know, everybody needs a little help. So you're a little bit more willing to extend yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Was there anything else you wanted to add to this conversation? I know, I know we've talked about a hundred different scenarios without tons that have been, that has been concrete, but do you have any takeaway tips or advice or anything you wanted to add to this subject? Well, the only other piece that I would add is that money tends to be a very emotionally volatile situation and the way to best deal with it so that you keep it as, you know, under control as possible is especially the couple talking about it with each other that should we shouldn't we is to start out making that statement look this is you know could be an emotional discussion and the best way that we're going to get through it is to just really hear each other out um and so really listen to you know what the other partner is saying so let's say that it's the wife's brother who's asking for money and you know, she just feels like, but it's my brother, but it's my brother. Mm -hmm. And rather than say, well, I don't care that it's your brother, say, okay, explain to me, you know, why that's so important to you. You know, I, I need to understand that. And really listen, um, because really underneath money is a lot of emotionality. That's why people get into, um, you know, heated discussions or arguments about money. It's not about money. It's about what the emotions are underneath. So I think if you're willing to really um, take the time to listen to it, it will be much easier to get through the discussion. Mm. I think that's such a great point because uh, you're, you, you, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about establishing expectations. And again, it's not that it's not the hundred dollars or five thousand dollars or whatever it is that has been lent. It's um, what was expected, and it's it it's the breaking of the rules, not the money itself that people get upset about. Yeah. It's not missing the hundred dollars. It's 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 that the fact that you said you're going to do something at a time, and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think I think that's a great great point to to end on here. Um, well, thank you, Karen. I know I know this is uh, an an atypical topic for us to to dig into because it really was so uh very there there were just so many variables to it that it was really hard to pinpoint down but i'm just glad that we have this platform that we can just have these big discussions on even if um even if everybody listening can think of their own situation where that is different mm -hmm. i'm hoping that there was something in our conversation that they can take away and say like oh yeah that was a pretty good idea i'll remember to have the conversation with my spouse look at our own relationship and how it's going to affect it and establish those guidelines and that sort of stuff i'm hoping that kind of thing translates no matter what people's variables are when it comes to this thing 
Me too. Me too. Um, so thank you so much. Um, be, but before uh, we, uh, we, we bounce on out of here, I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. You heard Karen during the podcast mention how she had a guest on her radio show. And that is right. She has her own radio show on the Sex Talk Radio Network called Your Empowered Relationship. Uh, she also is the author of a couple books, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, And she has a program out there for people looking to turn their fights into foreplay. And that is called From Fight to Foreplay. And you can get that information at fromfighttoforeplay.com, all spelled out. Of course, you can get this information at our website. Um, oh, Karen's website, uh, drkarensherman.com. So be sure to check that out. You can find this information at our website, hitchmag.com. If you have a question um, related to this topic, love to hear from you. Uh, we have a giant email button on our podcast page. So uh, from the homepage, you can find the link to the podcast page. Uh, you can also leave comments and suggestions and questions and stuff on the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Tumblr. We're on all of them. Pinterest. Uh, a lot of people like our Pinterest page. Um, so, yeah, love to hear from you. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care, everybody. 